You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. This is session number 003. On our first episode, you heard from Joel Kamm, number one on Inc. Magazine's top 25 social media speakers. And today, you'll hear from number two of that same list. In fact, you'll hear Chris Brogan speak about issues you've probably never heard him speak about anywhere else. That's parenting and marriage. I think a strong personal drive is required to get anywhere because I think that so many of us, I don't know, we just find ourselves in so many scenarios where we can phone it in. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Well, hi there. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, where we build you to do business better. I'm super happy that you came to join us. On every show, we have two purposes that make up Up In Your Business. The first is to discover business insights regarding the expertise of our guests. And the second is more important. We are looking to reveal the mental and psychological elements behind why and how we do business. At the end of the interview, I'll take us a little deeper into one of the valuable topics presented during the show. So whether you're an entrepreneur, a manager, an executive, or you're just still trying to figure it all out, my goal is to speak to your inner core issues, remediating the limiting beliefs and setting you free to be your most effective self. And ultimately, uh, my heart is to create a community of self-aware leaders, those who are committed to growth and to one another. If that sounds like you, simply go to the website upinyourbusiness.co and you can insert your email in the box on the top of that website. And in addition, I invite you to come to our private Facebook group. Uh, You can simply search for Up In Your Business and request entry into that group. It's a place of conversation and unique content that I put out. I'd love to see you come and join us there. Lastly, I have a free book for you. I really want to hear what you think about this show. And all you have to do is go to iTunes and fill out a rate and review uh, for the Up In Your Business podcast. And I will give the first 100 reviews a free digital copy of my book, uh, Love's Compass. After you place your review, simply email me at hello at angusnelson.com and tell me you placed a review and I'll be sure to send a copy your way. Thank you to all of you who have reached out. It's been super encouraging as uh, anytime you put yourself out there, it can always seem a bit scary. And I've said that before, but you guys have made it far more bearable. From the bottom of my heart, I just want to say thank you. It means the world to me. Our guest today explores how people use media and community to build marketplaces around areas of belonging. He's the CEO of Owner Media Group, a highly sought after professional speaker and the New York Times best-selling author of eight books and counting, including a new one yet to be named. And uh, he's also got an amazing list of accomplishments, and he's consulted a number of large brands you've heard of. 
Today, it is my pleasure to introduce you to Chris Brogan. Let's jump into the good stuff. Angus, hi, how the heck are you? I'm doing good. Chris, you know, I, I've got Kroger brand coffee with some vanilla-flavored natural bliss half and half in it. What are you drinking today? Oh, that is a great question. I am drinking uh, Everly brand peach mango uh, tea flavor, and it's this company that whenever you buy six of their little packets, they give some kind of a product away to people in nations who are having a hydration problem. So it's kind of a buy one, get one sort of a thing. Doing good. I love that. Uh, now, you and I first met at South by Southwest a few years ago, and fortunately, you spotted my brother and I before we spotted you. Otherwise, we would have totally pranked you, and I would have come up to talk to you as Marcus, and you would have never known the difference. Yeah, I'm I'm horrendously bad at sorting things like that out, too. So uh, I grew up with uh, uh, twin sisters, uh, friends, and I never got it right for like, you know, four or five years. So, But, you know, you're, all, you're both gentlemen and uh, fun to talk to. So frankly, the way I look at it is whichever one I get, it's going to be a great conversation. It's just very different. <laughs> That's awesome. Earlier this year, I had the privilege of uh, taking one of Chris's online uh, course maker. It's an online course about making online courses. How meta is that statement? And as a result of taking that program, I'm actually working on a video course product as we speak. And you'll hear more about that in the next coming weeks. Uh, Chris, during the course, you talked about launching a product even before it's fully baked or completed. Can you share why someone would even consider launching a product when it's not perfect or done? So it's really interesting. Um, there's to me, there's sort of levels of this because Jeff Walker does, uh, talks a lot about this in Product Launch Formula and also in his book Launch, which is you know the summation of that course in a book format. And um, his idea is is even a lot more. Um, what's the word I want to say? Everything's a lot more prototypical. Still, it's all it's all like, hey, if I were going to talk about, and then there's like a dead pause, and the other person says. Uh, better laundry? Yes, better laundry. Would you buy that course? And uh, by the time the person said, well, maybe, you know, he's already kind of starting his machinations to to build a product. And, and, I, and I'm not saying that negatively. I just found it a really interesting premise. But what I do is when I have a course in mind, when I'm building something, I will build out the table of contents of what the course is going to entail. I'll make sure the modules all make sense. And then uh, I might just do the welcome letter and module one, maybe module two, and then I'll launch. Because by the time you're ready for module three, you know, I'll have already, you know, I'll have already had the few extra weeks of time to get it all put together. So that's kind of my swing on that particular model. Uh, but in that process, it, it's been really interesting because um, it's, it's never yet bit me. And at the same time, it's been a really great way to, um, you know, get something into the water faster so I could be helpful. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I observed about um, taking your course too is that um, where some people might try to make everything um, squeaky clean, spit polish, chrome, it's got to be perfect in its presentation and its packaging, you don't really subscribe to that. In fact, some of the product really is the content, not so much of how it's presented. Some of your stuff I found kind of a little bit gorilla-like because you didn't spend a whole lot of effort on trying to make it, you know, all that in a bag of chips. You just made it so that the content itself stood on its own. 
Is that something that you've learned along the way, or is that part of that gritty process that you just shared? You know, there's some really interesting seeds to why that is how I do what I do. One of them is I was sort of indelibly, uh, you know, struck by all those various scenarios where someone took very low budget approaches to make something. So Robert Rodriguez with El Mariachi, he made that movie for like, I don't know, 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. Now, what everyone always says afterwards is, yeah, but then they audio edited it for like a million bucks after the fact. And I was like, well, still, okay, a million and 300 bucks. That's still like, you know, 9 million less than the average movie takes to be made. Mm -hmm. Um, David Lee Roth, uh, with regards to uh, Jump, uh, the video Jump, that cost him like 800 bucks to make. And it beat uh, $600,000 King of Pain uh, out of MTV back in the old days when they had the you know, video battles or whatever. So that plus the Doritos ad you know, that uh, won the Super Bowl spot, which was just a guy like, you know, hand camming it. I, I think that aesthetic has something to it, especially for a guy who wrote a book called Trust Agents with Julian Smith in 09. I believe that sort of that handheld, hand shot method or that sort of clunkier, you know, I'm clearly taking drinks while I'm filming and, you know, the lighting is crappy. Um, you know, I, I think that there's a sort of verisimilitude to use my $1.44 word for the day that makes people say, oh, I mean, he's just like me. Because clearly he's not, you know, studio ready, and I, I think that there's some beauty to it. And don't get me wrong, when I see people like yourself, or uh, I, I see um, Jonathan Fields, you know, do this incredibly well shot stuff, I go, oh, wouldn't that be neato? Mm-hmm. And then I go back to my, you know, computer in the corner and hope that the light doesn't fall over, <laughs> and I'm just as happy. I'm just so grateful that the new iPhone six plus has such a great camera. I think that really makes a big difference. I just shoot it off my phone. No question. I, I think that uh, the the I use the, I have a Samsung Galaxy Six, which is kind of the the neighbor of that phone, and it's got a fifteen or sixteen megapixel camera in the back. And I always just have that thinking of like, why couldn't they have made that the front one? I would have been set for life with my selfiness. But you know, I, it's funny when you talk about quality and stuff too. I've gone, I've downgraded the quality of my technology. I used to have this great HD camera. But it, the thing was, there's this quote that people say about it's the it's you know what's the best camera in the world? It's the one that you have when it's time to take the shot. Right. And I've come to start to use just you know the camera stuck on top of the Macintosh or the laptop lid, you know, and that's been the one I'm I'm happy to use. And and I guess the reason Angus is just that you know in getting into business, I want people not to be hung up on the production quality as much as I want them to know that the message was so important that I was willing to forego the production quality to make it there. It could be a horrible gamble. I mean, people could just be looking at my stuff going, you're awful. Well, I'll let you know because that's the gamble I'm taking. And uh, I'm just following your lead. So if it all jacks up in the end, I'm blaming you. Well, there you go. I've <laughs> <laughs> holes that I've set before. So you would not be the first person that I've uh, ruined. I, uh, I I did invest in a nice little microphone for my podcast, and everything else is pretty much as cheap and inexpensive as I can scrap it together. So, yeah, I'm a full proponent of that. And for our audience, you know, while Chris's uh, leadership in, in a lot of this and his books have always been, you know, full of valuable and actionable content, and, and that's one of the things I think that maybe myself and others esteem of you, Chris, there's always a quotient of motivational elements. Uh, I I remember the book, uh, it's not about the tights, you know, um, 
a freak shall inter- inherit the earth. Um, and then re- just recently, you and your girlfriend, or now fiancé, congratulations. Um, Thank you. Just start here. All of those have this motivational, inspirational kind of underpinning. Where does that come from for you? Um, you know, it, it's funny. I, I've been greatly inspired by... Uh, I, well, the, you know, the first person that kind of got me to do something different than what I was doing with my life was uh, Les Brown, who is a motivational speaker type guy. He did a very famous book called Live Your Dreams. And uh, he's kind of what got me off the off the couch one day when I was just a regular old employee. And I went from him right to Anthony Robbins. And I went mm-hmm. from Anthony Robbins into Stephen Covey. And so, uh, you know, I, I have a lot of appreciation for those kinds of things over the years what kind of came to me though is that um the best i could muster is business motivation like i just can't be one of those you know if you can dream it you can be it kind of people it just doesn't fit my personality but what i can say is that um i think a strong personal drive is required to get anywhere because i think that so many of us i don't know we just find ourselves in so many scenarios where we can phone it in but you know i i do my best to try to help people uh, find a better path, find a way that they can, you know, sort of own their life and own their choices. So it's a whole big to do. Well, along those same lines, um, you know, you, you are Chris Brogan. Um, you've spoken for and taught at and consulted at some of the biggest brands on the planet. You're revered and honored and esteemed, and yet somehow you've remained personable and tangible and, and, and not to be cliche, but human. What's your secret to avoiding that arrogance or cockiness, you know, or otherwise turdiness? Well, you know, I think I made up a word there. I, well, I liked it. I, uh, you know, I don't know that I have a secret. That's it, it's so weird because I I think it's harder to do the opposite. Like I think it's harder to get full of yourself because I think it just takes so much feeding to get full of yourself. I think that when I talk to really big people or really big companies or something, getting the chance to interview a guy like Richard Branson, you know, my very first two impressions of Richard Branson were this. Number one, the first thing out of his mouth when this, when he showed up on the Skype video was he said, is there anything I could do for you? Do you need anything right now? First thing he said, multi-billionaire. And I just sort of thought, you know, Oh, well, I, I, you know, I've just learned the biggest thing I'll ever learn about a billionaire. Second thing was he was nervous to be there. Like he was clearly nervous because my interviewing style is very off the cuff. And it was clear that he didn't know where my questions were going next. And I could see it in his eyes. And I thought, this is a very successful multi-billionaire guy. And he's just like me. And I need to help him feel more comfortable, et cetera. So, I, you know, I don't have... You know, I don't have the level of success, I think, to, to be arrogant enough, but I also don't think that arrogance serves too many people very well. And the people that I most admire professionally, um, you know, all do it from a place of humility. And the people that I see that are very arrogant, I mean, usually fall. Jack just, uh, Jacqueline just bought the Ronda Rousey fight the other night for us mm-hmm. to watch against uh, Beche Cohea. And before and during that match, Beche was just like, you know, flapping her gums and she was just all over her. And then 34 seconds later, while she was climbing back up off the floor to find her face, you know, we saw what silence and confidence could mean. So I kind of like that. Side note, my wife and I met over UFC fights. 
No way. Yeah, my wife was a huge USC fan, and she walked into a cafe, and we knew each other, but um, not really well. And she looked up at the TV, and there was some UFC fight. I think it was uh, George St. Pierre was fighting somebody, and she goes, oh, that's GSP, and such da 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 And all the guys I was with are like, what do you know about UFC? And two weeks later, 15 of us showed up at her doorstep, and I had two weeks to study what UFC was all about and everything from Muay Thai to uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and learning the ground game and grounded pound. And yeah, so uh, every month I was at her house watching pay-per-views with my big team of buddies until she finally just couldn't resist. Wow. I, I love that story for way too many reasons. One is that, you know, like every guy that gets into a girl, like you go off at like Encyclopedia Britannica, all you can about what the thing they're interested <laughs> in. And then, you know, just going beyond that, I, I love that, uh, you know, you, you did what a lot of guys do is when we find a girl who's not into the very typical thing, you mm-hmm. know, it's not into girly things, they're into kind of a quote guy thing. You go, woo! And, you know, <laughs> like any girl into comic books or whatever. So, it's it's definitely a very similar vein, very fun. And you've gone kind of into some of this, um, as I alluded to before, um, you just got engaged this last year or so. You've put a lot of focus on your health. You're making some transition with your business. What's that all looking like and feeling like? And what are you facing? And what fears are you having to overcome or challenges? So uh, the, the physical choices are really interesting to me. But it's um, where they came from. I mean, I had done some physical stuff on and off in the past. But I allowed business to be an excuse why not to be healthy. You know, well, I travel a lot. You know, there's a lot of employee dinner type things. There's a lot of scenarios where we've got to go out with the client and, and drink and eat lots of meat. And there were just all these great reasons why you could be big and fat. The hotel gym's no good or the hotel gym's not open. And um, I, I think that, you know, I just let my body go into a horrendous shape. And, and the thing is, I'd already uh, done this sort of transformation thing once at the end of 2003 into 2004, I dropped like 65 pounds and I went from never having run before to running and completing a trail marathon. And then in the winter of uh, 04, 05, I I gave myself a pretty nifty injury and tore my rotator cuff and sort of took myself back out of the game, put all the weight back on and then some Mm -hmm. and just said, oh, guess I'm fat and called it a day. And so, you know, the the physical challenges, uh, one of the things I like is that I learn more about business at the gym than I do, you know, listening to people talk about business because, you know, the number's the number, for instance. You know, if you're going to move that weight up and down 10 times and you stop somewhere around seven, then you didn't get 10. So it was either your drive wasn't right or your position wasn't right. There's like eight things that could be wrong, but it doesn't matter. You did not hit that number. And I, and I like that sort of purity to bring it back to business. I like the discipline to look back at business. So I find that that's what that's about. Um, as far as changing up my business, one of the things that I uh, did was that, you know, I was just traveling way too much and I was on the road a lot as a professional speaker and as a consultant. And it just wasn't really uh, helpful for family life. And so uh, I decided I would like to find some other ways to make a, make a dollar. And so I chose to get off the road a lot more, which I know you know about. And I chose to serve people in different ways, which is why I started serving up courses. And related to that, you know, relationships, I'm now going with, from a girlfriend, a weight room partner, and now to life partner. You know, relationships can be scary. What's it been like for you to, and, and you already have, have children, right? 
Yes, we both have children from mm-hmm. previous relationships. She was never married before, but I was. I mean, I've grown a lot. So one of the things that's different about me was that I went and did so much uh, work about sort of changing my life up. And that really brought me to a whole lot of new levels. And so I think that the experience of finding someone who is much more willing to fight through the tar- the tough spots and who would push back and who is strongly ambitious and who is very much more... Like, you know, when we decided uh, to get married, it was it was after this interesting little dip in our uh, relationship road. Like we'd just gone through kind of a bad spot. And really our decision to get married ends up being more like a declaration of war than it does your typical sweet, like, let's hand out stuff. It's more like, you know, screw this. We are the only two potential fighters against this battle. And this is really the army. So we are, uh, we're looking at it like that. Like we have some big goals. We have some big drive. And uh, I think that our model is to really kind of build a solid, strong home unit and make that work. And what about the uh, challenges of parenting someone else's children? Uh, I got married and, and my wife had a daughter from a previous relationship. And so I had to face some of that. What do you see from your experience in business and carrying that professional life into your personal life? And how does that impact vice versa, your personal life, those health of those relationships into your professional life? So I've uh, engineered my business to to function in and around my children. And so, of course, by extension, Jack's daughter as well. And so that part is a a real positive. Like, I mean, we can, my job allows me to mostly work anywhere except for when I'm flying for speaking. And I, um, you know, I built it so that there's not a lot of real time required. It's a very near real time kind of business, which I like as well. Mm -hmm. Um, The other things I learn is that, you know, my job is to really help people kind of find their path to things to sort of do it their own way. Uh, my last book, The Freak Shall Inherit the Earth, was a book I wrote for my children. Uh, you know, if grownups got into it, that was fine, but it was really a kid's book uh, without the illustrations. In my mind, uh, they're very synonymous. The other question you asked about parenting other people's kids, that's interesting, um, especially because, uh, you know, we both have certain uh, things that we're a lot more attuned to. So Jacqueline is uh, very much more into, uh, she wants her own time. She wants the kid to have a lot more independence and and sort of do their own thing as well. Uh, Whereas I get up in my kid's business to steal your show's name (laughs) a lot. You know, I'm, I'm right down with them. We play games together. You know, I'm messing around over their shoulder and their YouTube account, whatever. And that's just, that's a, a slightly different style. Uh, I happen to be also, though, a little bit more anal about things like manners and table manners and stuff like that. You know, so for instance, we were at a somewhat fancy restaurant the other day, and uh, dessert was one one kid got a cannoli and one kid got an eclair, and I was like, "You guys got to use your forks and knives." And they're staring at me like, this is not fork and knife food. And I'm like, yes, it is. And Jack wasn't there. And later she was like, that's totally finger food. I don't care how fancy the restaurant is. I would have picked that crap up off the plate. Right. And I was like, all right, well, we would probably do that one differently. But, you know, my mom would have slapped my hand if I picked something off my plate. So that's the fun of that, I guess, Angus. But, you know, it's a lot like business. You know, you don't compromise is usually the least interesting thing. What you're always trying to find is like a better synergy and how does it map better together? I see the the synergy or the, the connection of your personal life and the quality of the kids' relationship. I want to thank you for joining us, Chris. Just sharing like you do. You're always so sincere and so real. Thank you again for your time and uh, have an awesome day, Chris. 
You too, sir. Thanks for having me on. I feel so honored. I'm so thankful for Chris's time and generosity to join us. You know, one of the takeaways that I'm processing is that element of that billionaire mindset uh, when he talked about Richard Branson and he said, "Uh, what can I do for you? Uh, Do you need anything right now? You know, that's a pretty generous way to think of kind of the place of coming from abundance. And of course, you're probably thinking, uh, that's easy. He's a billionaire. Of course, he can be generous. And yet that thinking, that, that thought that you may have just thought is an altogether different mindset. In fact, that's one of lack. And I was just advising a startup at lunch today uh, via a Facebook video while I was eating my chili. And we were discussing this whole element of generosity and abundance. And the opposite of that is, is lack. And lack causes you to withhold or restrict and guard. Lack will tend to breed fear and anger and jealousy and envy and blame. It brings about insecurity and inferiority and doubt and self-consciousness. And lack ultimately makes everything about you. And it's the ultimate driver of Uh, poverty and relationship issues and poor leadership and self-sabotage. To me, lack equals pain. On the other hand, a mindset of abundance never has need of anything. Abundance eliminates fear and it emanates peace and it radiates joy When you're in a place of abundance, you can love freely and live generously, um, even laugh gregariously. It sounds kind of poetic. Um, Why? Why is it like this? Because abundance causes you to have nothing to gain and nothing to lose. Our culture, it, it, it drives us to compete. Uh, We will move others aside to get what's ours, and we fight, and we claw, and we even throw our colleagues and friends under the bus for attention or power or promotion, and all of that is based in lack, yet one who's based in abundance is full of creativity, and he inspires those around them, or she attracts opportunities. A researcher I was reading, her name is Barbara L. Fredrickson. She states in her piece, What Good Are Positive Emotions? Uh, And in that piece, she states that positive emotions serve to broaden an individual's momentary thought-action repertoire, which in turn has the effect of building that individual's physical, intellectual, and social resources. She goes on to say that experiences of positive emotion are central to human nature and contribute richly to the quality of people's lives. Kind of related to that, the opposite, the negative emotions, according to ancient Chinese science, that would show you that negative emotions actually influence even our specific organs. It states that Anxiety or sorrow uh, would impact our lungs, and anger affects your liver, and fear your kidneys, and worry will affect your stomach, which is probably where we get that phrase, uh, worry yourself sick. 
And these are the fruits of that core belief that you are lacking in something. And generally speaking, what we're really dealing with is our own conjecture thinking of what the world is supposed to be like for me compared to those around me. And this is really deep-seated reality for many. And for I'm sure several of you, social media probably only heightens that state of lack. So what's the cure? Well, I don't know what the silver bullet is for everyone, but I do believe it begins in this arena of gratitude. Most of us are so focused on maybe what we feel like we missed out on in the past. Maybe it's because of circumstances or because of abuse or because of um, we didn't have enough money or, or what have you. You feel like you missed out on something. Or you believe for some reason that you won't be able to enjoy something in the future. Either one of those, gratitude becomes very difficult to connect to because gratitude is attached to the present. Abundance is a sense of thankfulness or gratitude for what you have today. Therefore, the root of abundance is gratitude. And abundance is present. To truly experience happiness, you must enjoy today. And to truly experience love, you must love who you are today. And to experience joy, you have to be able to celebrate today. Every bit of your life's experience is building towards creating who you choose to be. And if you're experiencing or have experienced hardship, understand this. That hardship, that challenge does not define you. Sickness or poverty, bankruptcy, disabilities or challenges. We've all seen examples of other people who have risen above their situation to be someone of inspiration. And for all of them, I believe at some point in time in their journey, they arrived at a place of gratitude. They're thankful for every breath they get to take and every chance to wake up in the morning and to fully live despite their circumstances. Whatever you're contending with today, whatever trial or setback you're facing today, know this, you're not alone. I want to invite you today to connect to gratitude, to be grateful for the place you're in, not from this place of stating that you settle for your situation. That's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that you allow gratitude to fuel an abundant mindset, to understand that where you are is not where you're going, and that instead you can connect to a place of satisfaction and contentment that you are on your way to someplace good. And obviously this whole topic is far deeper than what I've just addressed today. But what I want to do is connect you with considering this element of gratitude, this element of abundance for when you are in this place, you will experience creativity and opportunity and growth. And from that place, everything changes. I wish you the best today. Be amazing.
listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com. <laughs> <laughs>